Coming to you from the land down under, this is the Inbound Outbound Podcast. Your number one source for actionable sales and marketing interviews for small to medium-sized businesses. If you're a business owner or salesperson in need of a good laugh and some great information, this is the podcast for you. And now your host, James Wright. Right. Hello, closers, and welcome to episode six of Inbound Outbound, a sales and marketing podcast for business owners and sales professionals, providing tips and insights for you today to grow your revenue tomorrow. This week's guest is a sorcerer of sales, a closer of closers. Can he fix it? Depends how fucked it is. One of my sales <laughs> teachers, Mr. Matt Shaw. Welcome, Matt. Matt. Matt Shaw, welcome on board. Thank you very much. But before we get kicked off into Matt, bit of, we're big on mental health and WHS on this podcast, and someone's been acting very peculiar all week. Anthony, I've been getting reports all week that you've been running around with your undies on your head. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> I got a text from Di saying you've left the house without your trousers on yet again. So you all right? You okay? So, this, and I think it's the uh, approach all small business owners have, where I think you just want to do everything yourself and you take a holiday and you come back to twice the amount of work. I think scaling up is going to be another episode, but Jesus Christ, mate, look after yourself, okay? Yep. All right, good man. Maddie, welcome onto the show. Thanks, guys. Sorry for the PSA. Oh, <laughs> how's your mental health? Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Good. Are yeah. you okay? Yeah, ask me again in a week. <laughs> Fair enough. Maddie, I'm going to kick straight into it. We've known Go each other a very long time now. Yep. I like think our journeys okay. have interwoven a little bit. but Absolutely, yeah. For those that don't know him, How'd you get into sales? I was born into sales. Mum and dad owned a real estate company. So growing up, I was always sitting around the kitchen table at dinner and they were talking about the achievements that they did and sales always really jumped at me. So as soon as I turned 18, launched myself into it and yeah, off I went. Launched yourself into it, meaning? Straight into real estate. Started off with mum and dad, quickly left them actually and went to my own thing, got poached by someone else, which I thought was always nice. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's always just been a one of those little niggles that you can't really get out of. And moving from the family business or moving out of real estate, what made you do that? I thought that's where the big money was. Yeah, I suppose the thrill of the chase. So it was a bit of a, a lure of, hey, I need help and I can't do it myself and we want someone that's good enough to do it. Are you the one? So I guess for me it was trying to prove that, yeah, I'm that guy. So off I went and, yeah, I felt like I, I did a pretty good job. So Lovely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about real estate. So that's where you cut your teeth. Yeah. What was your learning experiences there? Learn a lot. Really get down to the yeah, real no, core of it. Had some real good mentors throughout my real estate journey. So I did real estate for about seven years. I had different people, Peter Mendeley, Aaron Brooks, those sorts of guys, which are really big guys in the industry. I was really fortunate enough to be able to work with them. One thing that has always stuck with me, I suppose, is something that Aaron told me. And people don't remember what it is that you've told them throughout the sales process. They only remember how you left them feeling. So I try and... Every interaction that I have with any sort of sales, that's always what I try and leave behind. It's always making that person feel that I've done the best and that they wouldn't want to go anywhere else because I was the number one. So throughout real estate, it's real estate's tough. I got into real estate about 2007, which is right when the GFC hit, which is just the worst time, absolutely worst time in the world to get into real estate. But got in there, it was, as I said, it was very tough. Telling people that the home that they had six months earlier is nowhere near worth you know, what they thought this. it was. Yeah. Yep. And in some cases more working in Hope Island in Queensland. That was the mortgagee capital of Australia at one point, which was just, which is really tough. But yeah, look, it was, it was a tough gig. You learn to be um, not ruthless, ruthless with yourself. One thing I've always made sure of throughout my 
my sales career was that I was never ruthless to the people around me. I think the worst thing you can do is cut the nose off your teammates to try and get yourself ahead. You're never going to get yourself ahead in that time. You'll always just shorten your duration at wherever it is that you're doing that. Short-term gain, long-term pain. So I want to touch into it. So you've been fresh. It was a tough market. Yeah competitive industry very yeah how did you get people to go i want to be with matt shaw yeah i'd say it's a good one. i heard i heard a couple of good ones when i was there going into appraisers and that sort of stuff and my competitors were saying oh the kid and they called me the kid and i you just go in you just got to use what people try and use against you i suppose so i'd go in and i'd make little sly references to billy the kid and all that sort of stuff for i'd use the fact that yeah i was a kid that I was youthful and energetic. So you leaned into it. Yeah, exactly. Lean into it. Yeah, don't fight. If people are trying to put stuff against you and you can turn it to a positive, do it. Don't wow. fight. I used to fight it. Yeah, no? don't fight. Yeah, no, don't fight it, mate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, in fact, that's why like self-deprecating humour is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sensitive about my weight right now, but I was literally telling you, I, my nipples are down by my knees and I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't right want to miss a calorie, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Enjoy cake too much. Too uh, much. And, and you also touched on mentors. Is that, mm. when growing in sales, is that like a top tip? Is yeah. anybody that's coming through sales, do you want to find that pinnacle person and attach yourself to them? Yeah, it was never someone that I, I never sought out a top dog. I think I was lucky enough to just fall into it. I worked for three different real estate companies and was poached every time. And in saying that, that wasn't about disloyalty or anything. I'd spent years with the companies that I was at and it was time for me to move on to bigger and better things, better areas and all that sort of stuff. But with regards to the mentors, I was lucky enough to just come upon them. But I think it's what you make out of your situation as well. There's some people that are going to be around you that they're they might be doing well, but they're not a great mentor. There's certain things that you wouldn't want to learn off them and that sort of thing. And there's other people that are around you that can turn into mentors. They may not be actively seeking someone to absorb information and skills and that sort of stuff off. But ultimately, if you find the person that you're like, you know what, in five years, I'd like to be that salesperson, two years, whatever it is. That's the person you want to use as a mentor, not the person that is necessarily making the most money, but the person that makes the most sense and the person that's that you can just see yourself being basically. So tip number one, day one in sales, you haven't done it before, you're looking again into sales, find yourself a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that works for every industry? I think there's certain avenues where it wouldn't like smaller teams, that sort of stuff. I think it really comes down to the manager of the team. You don't need to make your manager your mentor, but definitely lean on them in some sort of regard like that. So if it's not a full-fledged mentor, certainly make it someone that's pretty close. In project management, we used to always have – or the project management, the juniors, is to always attach themselves, reach out for a senior because invariably once they've trained you, they're going to bring you along for their journey as well. So it'll actually help you to bump up quicker. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. What about the marketing side of things? And I want to touch on particular shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know where you're going with this. The marketing side of things, I think you just need to – you need to find your – creative niche just because it works for one guy doesn't mean it's going to work for you one thing that i quickly became known for was my outlandishly colored shoes Don't i did dare spray your beer at <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, the, I i've got black the, shoes uh, on today they're not, they're not too bad today so i yeah, i do real estate videos and that sort of stuff and a way that i i wanted to separate myself because it's when they were starting to come on the scene a lot of people were doing them i wanted to know what's a point of difference that i can make and my initial point of difference was to actually approach approach it in a way where it was benefiting more than just myself and my client. 
So I approach Animal Welfare League, for example. So in every single one of my videos, I would showcase the house and then I'd showcase a dog that needed rehoming. Reason behind that is A, I love dogs. So it was a passion of mine anyway. B, obviously the video for the house, great to sell that. But C, it was an avenue that I could separate myself and the Animal Welfare League Queensland themselves were sharing the videos as well. So it wasn't just about – it's not just about the dogs and that sort of things. which you got it, you double know, the marketing. for me. Exactly right. You got the exposure that wow. I loved after for them. And uh, a little kicker, I suppose, that I had in there was my brightly coloured shoes. Uh, and I think the ones that James making reference to isn't the blue suede shoes. It may it's be not, bright no. red, yeah, yes. truck red suede shoes that I was wearing a couple of times. Wow. Certainly caught people's attention. I actually had one person come in and say, yeah, I'm – I saw the gentleman with the bright red shoes. I'd like to talk with him. I'd like to list my house. Probably, <laughs> but the, that's an probably the best thing. listing I, that I had. Yeah, and that's we, all jokes aside. And the reason why I wanted you to tell that story was it was potentially your point of difference. Yeah, exactly. That, in marketing, that's your hook. Yeah, you need you that need a tie. hook. Yeah. But when someone is just looking at the listing, who are potential vendors or even purchasers, then you've got he likes dogs. Good guy. Dodgy red shoes. Something to remember him by. Yep. Exactly right. And yes, I did make that up on the spot. <laughs> Love it. No, okay. All right. So you've done all that in real estate. Yep. Then what happened? What next? Why'd you leave? Just another challenge, I suppose. I I got a call up from my family to come over to WA and thought, you know what, I'll follow them across. So I, so I did. So on I jumped on the in the car and threw the trail on my back and across I came, which as a, yeah, it was a bit of a life change and a bit of a trek, but it was good. And did you fall back into real estate when you come over here? I yeah, I did. I did quickly, but I just I don't know. I just didn't have the didn't have the passion for it. Just it just wasn't quite the same. And I thought, look, the market's still not great, and I didn't want to have to throw in all that hard work to to get back to where I was. And I thought, I'm just going to start off with something more just basic sales. So I jumped into a a sales management role, which was what I was doing towards the end. Of my real estate career anyway, being in sales management. Yeah, jumped in a sales role, a sales management role rather. And that was all right. That was good. Do you need to love what you're doing? Do you need to find a niche in sales? Does that help? You need to. It's a lot easier to sell something that you believe in. But if you're a good salesperson, you sell, sell yourself sell on that pen. product. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can sell yourself on the product that you're supposed to be selling, you'll find it easier again to start selling it. So... First person to sell to is yourself. Sell it to yourself, believe in it, and go, I'm all over this. The old saying, knowledge is power. Knowledge is sales. If you know your product, people will want to come to you because you know what you're talking about. Pair that with a good sales personality, ability to close, that sort of stuff, you'll smash it. Leads me on to my next question on the paperwork. What sort of personality do you think makes a good salesperson? Yes. Two ways to go. So you can just have an all-out extrovert who just get me in front of people, let me go nuts. But I've always found, and the people that are probably easiest to train is an extroverted introvert. Just find that they're willing to just take those little steps and just push themselves a little bit, but don't want to push themselves too hard where they go too hard and fill themselves with too much and that sort of stuff. They just take it that little step that they need to and they're happy to listen and whereas an extrovert and all that extrovert's very much a, it's all right. I've got this. Let me go. So it's, yeah. yeah. Which category do you fall into? <laughs> you tell me. No, okay. So I know you pretty well. So I know for a fact that you would like to think, or everyone, you'd everyone to think that you're a full out and out extrovert, but I know very well different that you're not really like that. You're, I'm not. I'm you're, not. You're, you're not at all. So I actually consider you, and 
again, this is probably going to be an interesting little critique of each other here, is I see you when I've seen you sell, is you like to position yourself as the expert, in fact, and you don't objection handle, you deal with the questions around your expertise, and that in itself, and then they'll then you close, and then they'll go, oh, I've got this problem, and then you close them like a classic salesperson, yep. which is basically the way. Expand on that, because I'm a numpty. I don't understand. Okay. Expand on that for me. So my, my way of sales is I'm an all-out, personality barrage i will destroy you with personality yes. <laughs> right yes I, you are I, look I, at me i'm a peacock i am james i am james okay so, so we'll put you in the peacock yeah so I, I, yeah. I, I like to make people intentionally feel slightly uncomfortable with my personality in the room and i do that on purpose <laughs> yeah I do. Now, i've made a career out of it and the reason why i do that is because everyone's like oh shit and they take a step back. that then gives you time in the room to assess the situation and then your intrapersonal skills can then go, I can take this to my advantage for this personality. And then it's down to those seven personality types that we're talking about in episode two. Okay. And then you just work through it from there and then you're selling on the points and go from there. What Matt does is a bit different. So Matt is more attraction based. So he wants someone to come to them and then he'll go, they'll ask him specific questions about the product. Matt wants to provide as much information up front. So they're basically self-closed. So you go into it saying, hey, these are the reasons why this product is so good to differentiate from the competitor. Hey, yeah. we do one, two, three, four differently. Yeah. And that's why you should choose us. Yeah. So I think you need to give people a bit of rope. So one thing that I think a lot of people do incorrectly in sales is they don't let the customer talk enough. Let the customer tell you what it is that they're after. And that was probably, I'll touch back in where I went to when I moved over to, and that was to a company that was connected with Telstra, so basically Telstra stores. And one thing that I turned a company, one of the stores around there that was really struggling and not too far from closing, to being one of the more successful WA. And basically letting the guys know that you don't berate the customer with information of this is why, just talk to them. Just initially talk to them talking about their day, talking about what they're doing for the week, expectations, all that sort of stuff, and let them give you a whirlwind of information and then look at that information and go, I can link this part of what they've said to this part of the product. And you go through and you link all of these little bits that they tell you and you don't dot point it out, come back at them and have a conversation with them and say, look, I'm so glad that you know that you told me that for it is. This is a perfect attribute for this. Link it in that way. So when you're, it doesn't feel like a close to them. They're sitting there just thinking we're having this wonderful conversation that is subconsciously going to them and they're going, yeah, I really need this. This is all the stuff that I need. And it's a lot easier as well to upsell when you're doing that. So talking to someone and just adding in little bits of upsell that will work with them makes them realize at the end going, okay, I definitely need that product, but I also think that I need X, Y, Z because it makes sense. Some people at the end, you might have to do a little bit of soft close and just to find that for those. people that don't know, because yeah. obviously everyone here doesn't know. Yeah, like a soft close. Yeah, what, we want to know what everything. Does that mean? Yeah. yeah, obviously soft close and hard close. So soft close. Some people are just they just need that little bit of a push. Some people sit on the fence, and you just all right. So everything sound good. And we're happy to go ahead. So you're asking. Soft close. You're asking for the close. Yeah. So you're asking the question. And the hard have I won close? your business today? Hard, you will if, buy this. If, you need it. Yeah. If you want a hard close, king of the hard closes is there. He yeah he pushes. I think he needs to hard close a lot more than I do. That's all I just want to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's so not what's, true. What is a hard close? A hard close now is a lot different than how it was 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, it was basically I'm staying on the phone until you either hang up or, or you hang up or you say yes, yeah. basically, or you yeah. give me your credit card details. Yeah. What it's more like now is I will box you into a corner and you've got nowhere to go. And then 
you might go, hey, James, I need some time. I know that's a weak excuse. I will then book in a time either this afternoon, tomorrow, or something that makes sense in terms of the conversation. Yeah. And I'll call you up proactively. So it's a different, it's a different way of selling. Whereas Matt's going to be like, I'm going to give you the time that you need. And because he's done, he spent a lot more time in the relationship process than I would have. And that's why they will come back to him. So it's different horses for different. You're enjoying this, aren't you? I am. I'm really enjoying it. This week, a lot of the digital marketing groups I follow, they're saying, okay, they're talking about the magic email. And I don't know if you've heard about the magic email. It's a simple email that they reckon closes. And all they're saying, hey, haven't heard from you for a while. We're going to put this on hold until you guys come back to me. And you elicit a few responses. Hey, no, we want to talk about that. Or no, don't put it on hold. Or yep. I call that your last yeah, gasp. Or silence. <laughs> yeah, last gasp. Yeah. Yeah. They so call it the magic email. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah. The, the, I think one of the things is too that, that people struggle with when they're closing, especially on a hard close, is the objective handling. Someone will come at you and they'll have four or five objections. And again, one of the real big errors that people make is that they will handle each objection when it comes to them. They'll say, oh, I don't like this because, or I can't do it because. Not all the decision makers are in the room or anything like that. And instead of really letting them get all of that out, they jump at it and they try and solve it straight away. And then the person comes back with another one. So instead of doing that, a great way to hard close is, look, I can't do that because of X. Okay, not completely understand that. So if X wasn't a factor today, it, would you go ahead? Well, no, because I also need Y. Okay, no worries. So if X and Y weren't issues. Can we go ahead? No, because of Z. Okay. So if X, Y, Z weren't an issue, would you go ahead? Yes. Okay, fantastic. So you've got the yes, which is the this hardest is thing to get. old school stuff now. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So you've got, which is the hardest thing to get to the yes. So you've got the yes. You've just got three objectives that you need to overcome. So you go back and look, it may not be that same conversation, but if you've done your job in that initial period, you'll have the, the overcomings of objectives, basically, you'll have them already. So you go back to the person and say, all right, here's the cure for X. Here it is for Y and here it is for Z. Have I solved those? Yes. Fantastic. And then you can soft close because you've overcome it. So have I overcome these objectives? Yeah, I have. Okay, fantastic. So let's go. Let's is it today it. or tomorrow? Let's go ahead. Yeah. Lovely. Sign up. Yeah, basically. So always make sure that person gets all of their issues out, all of their objectives, get it all out, then handle it. Don't handle it straight away. If you're clever, you know what's coming up anyway. Oh, absolutely. And you cover it off. Because you should have have come up with those objectives while you're talking to them as well. They will leak their obstacles. They will leak them to you as you're talking to them. So what about the tough ones? What's your budget? Yeah. Do you have a budget for this? What's your timeline? Those are types of questions. One thing I learned in real estate is people will always spend more than what they're telling you. So we found a good figure is about 10%. Some people 20%, some people 5 but a good figure, typically 10%. So people say, oh, look, this is our budget. We're not going to go over that. No worries. But if you can provide them with good enough reason, they will. Especially in real estate where it's high overhead yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely, they will. Which... I mean, that's quite interesting in some ways as well. We're bringing in soft closing, hard closing. But what the bit before that, I really want to talk to you about following up and following through and following back, which is what I'm massive on. What is your typical follow-up process? Because it's so underdone in the industry. I I want to get it. Look, the follow-up is the biggest thing. So, again, someone will remember 
how you left them feeling, not what you've said. Some people will absolutely hang up on what you said. Don't disregard that. Some people will write it down and say, but you said, yes, no worries. But when you leave that person, when the last time you spoke to that person, make sure it's positive. Make sure that if there's anything that you had to do after that conversation, you get it done. Give that person, it's different for every industry. but it's different for every conversation as well. Absolutely. So you give that person a amount of time that you think, you know what, that's probably about it. Keeping in mind that whole strike when the iron's hot. If the person's hot to trot, don't give them too long. Make sure you stay on top of them, you stay in their mind. And I think that's the biggest thing. You want to make sure that you're always in their mind. Not on the forefront. You don't have to be in the forefront of their mind. Make sure you're always in their mind. So give them that little bit of time. Give them that follow-up call and say, hey, look, just want to touch base, just see how everything's going. Is there anything that you need, et cetera, et cetera. You're not trying to close. Don't try and close at that that first callback. They might give you some pointers to, to close. Sure, grab hold of them and close it. But don't seek out to close on that first follow-up call. Again, they'll let you know sort of the time frame. If there's any obstacles you need to overcome or things that are in the way of them closing, again, you do that objective handling and then follow up again. And again, just enough time to make sure that you're still in the forefront of their, still in their mind, not necessarily the forefront, and call up and close again. If you need to follow up a third time, you're missing something. There's something that you're not getting hold of that they're giving you, you need to think about the way you're going about it. Because if you have to follow up a third time, that should be your last. That's where James is on the phone. No, so, I, so it's interesting. So this is di- this is different of approach and Matt knows very well. He's literally seen on Salesforce my my whole sales process. So he knows this a little bit. It's, I believe in up to seven follow-ups. And that's, again, different of a difference of approach because I want, again, I want to spend <laughs> as little time <laughs> in front of someone as yeah. possible, really. And, again, the difference is with my approach, with Matt's approach, and this is not supposed to be a comparison approach, this was supposed to be another episode afterwards, but <laughs> we'll get into it now, is that I only have to know three things about the product or service. Literally three things. And if I can't sell based on that, I should not be in my job. Whereas Matt really wants to know the ins and outs of a duck's ass, quite literally. So it's just a difference of approach. What do you look for in your sales teams and how do you build them out? I'll start with, I'll start with you if I was going to take over a, a current sales team, for example. Yep. So if a sales team's failing... There's one of two reasons. One is that their training's poor, their manager's poor. That needs to be changed out for them to achieve. Second is- Hold on, let me stop you there. Yeah. Training's poor, management's poor. What do you mean by that? Just elaborate a little bit. What's poor about it? If they don't have a great manager, if they don't have a great manager, they're not going to have great training. Simple as that. But if they're not motivated, if they're not given the tools to achieve- Tools- yeah. Again, this is like yeah. the basic stuff. Standard yeah. operating processes. What are we talking here? Yeah. So kind I mean, of. there's it, again, it depends on on the environment that you're in. But I'll lean on I'll lean on the Telstra side of things with the Telstra teams. Again, when I went and took over, they'd be talking to their customers about, okay, what is it that you want? I want a phone. Okay, what phone do you want? I want the Samsung. Okay, what do you like about it? Shit, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You tell me you're selling it. So the person, they come in and they say, oh, do you need a cover? No, it's all right. I'll go to the shop out the front and get one. Oh, okay. Sign here. Done. Okay, thanks. Not an enthralling, motivating. You don't leave there going, oh, jeez, they did. You don't feel great about your day at Telstra, which, to be honest, very rarely do people feel great about their day with Telstra. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing Telstra does have, which is quite good in regards to that is 
they've got this little survey and it's had one. Rate it from one to ten on how this person did and how they how you felt about it, et cetera, et cetera. So one is awful, ten is great. Yeah, pretty much. Unless you get nine, or, unless you get nine or tens, you're getting in trouble. I currently have a TIO complaint. Not the right person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so unless you get a nine or ten, you get in trouble. So when I went in and took over, it was, okay, you guys haven't been given the tools. You haven't been shown how to extract information from people. You haven't been shown how to use the information that you've extracted from them to pair it with a device or something that, that they're after. So soft tools, not actual tool tools. We're talking about no, soft tools. Yeah. Soft skills. Skills. Yeah. But it's again, yeah. in sales, we call yeah. them tools yeah. because they're different things that you can do to get different outcomes. But yeah, so I mean, call you, them tools when you were there. Uh, I didn't uh, call them tools. I got him yeah. a tool. <laughs> they just made records. That's all they did. That's all I know. So they saying, so yeah, you would, you would give them the tools that, that would allow them to succeed, to extract information, to, be able to pair, okay, hey, I can use this information they've given to to sell this speaker or this phone case or this tablet or whatever it is. So getting back to that earlier point of the way you have conversations with people, letting them just talk, just have a conversation with someone, let them get all their daily info and all that sort of stuff out and learn a little bit about them, make it a little bit personal because let's be honest, everyone wants to be a little bit personal. So get all that information out and then essentially use it against them. So whenever I took over, there was always that poor management, not always poor management, but there was at times that poor management where they didn't have those sorts of tools to be able to really excel. Weren't allowed to use their side of their personality that really allowed them to express themselves through sales and make that sales relationship with that customer their own. So another thing that if it wasn't the management and sales side of things, it was still management in a little way, there was probably a person in that team that was a bit cancerous. So sometimes there was both, sometimes a poor manager and a cancerous person, but you'll find that cancerous person because if the if the environment of the sales team's very poor, but it's not poor towards the manager you'll probably find that it's more of a cancerous person. So everyone's feeling a bit down on themselves and don't feel great about coming to work and all that sort of stuff. There's one person in there that's a big negative Nelly. Sort them out and there's either one Energy or two. Energy takers. Yep. yep, one or two ways. You cut out the cancer and you go catch you later, manage yeah, them out of the business. Yep, and very quickly watch how fantastic that team becomes once you cut that cancer out. I want to hear about the characters you've come across. Apart from James, yeah. talk to me about some of the characters and the unique, in inverted commas, unique people that yeah. you come across in sales. There, it's funny. <laughs> it's, there is such a variety of people. I'll start off with probably the earliest of people. There was a guy called Rob who used to. Not good, do a surname. I don't want to get sued. No, no, no. Guy called Rob. Indiscriminate who, Rob, yeah. Uh, he, uh, I used to make it my daily mission to walk in every morning and as vocally as I could say good morning to him because every single time I said good morning to Rob, it ruined his day, <laughs> ruined his day. Morning, Rob. <laughs> oh, yes, I got him. And that would just motivate me. And he was just the grumpiest, grumpiest of blokes. But he was grumpy even with his clients. But you know what? To the day I don't know how, 
but it worked for him. He wasn't a sales extraordinaire, don't get me wrong. He, he beat he, people in submission. Yeah, he was. <laughs> it was like they just felt bad for him, I think. I don't know what it was, but they just Life went. Just leave me. The kids are awful. But let me tell you this. Life's shocking. <laughs> but that was Rob. It worked for him. Another guy, another guy I worked with, Brian, great guy. Just I don't think he was fully there, but great guy. He was so excitable and he must have been about 60 and he was jumping around 60. like an 18-year-old. Oh, how good is this? Oh, and people would just get around him because he was just he's just a character. He was just a great guy. Every time he got excited, though, I thought his head was going to explode. He'd go as red as a fire truck. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I might have to do some CPR or something soon. But he was a he was a great guy. And then you get your all-out fantastic salespeople like Brooksy who would come in and you just knew every single time you come in the office because the front door would burst open. He'd do this massive loud clap and, good morning, everyone. You'd be like, oh, Christ, Brooksy's here. <laughs> and you were never disappointed that he was here. Shit, you knew about it. Does that generate a great team? Like having those personalities walk through the door and say, "Hey, everybody, absolutely, how you yeah, doing? come on, yeah, let's go down the pub on a Friday." Yeah, there's nothing worse than having the same people written from a book in the same team. It, it doesn't work. You need that variety, and because salespeople themselves are, we need positivity and we need that energy around us to keep going. So for those people that just ooze it, that just have this overabundance of it, fantastic. Do you want to emphasise that in the office to try and bring people along for the journey? Do you, is that something you got to develop and turn it up? I'm not – it's just not me. I'm just not that person that is that all that, ah, here we are, let's go, how okay. fantastic's everything. If there's someone like that, I will let them take it. You go nuts. I'll wind them up. I, I was very good at <laughs> I was very good at winding Brooks and Ryan up. Don't worry about that. So I wind them up and, and let them go. And if they go around the uh, around the office, but not me. So when I was doing project management, we had a sales team in the same office as us. They had a bell. So every time yeah. they had a sale, so classic, massive Ugh. bell. Yeah, yeah. Wind yeah. it up, okay. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think that's a good trigger. Uh, can be and can't be. I think Nancy here. Yeah, no, old negative, old well, negative. I'll tell you why. So, like, he didn't have one. I'll tell you that one. That's because he never got to push it. <laughs> I was just about, that's actually where I was going with that comment. Was that because you do have, especially in big sales teams, is that you'll always have that bottom ten percent. And what you can find is if the guys that are ringing the bell often, obviously it's massive dopamine hit. They want to keep doing it. The guys, but then you create a bigger divide between the cans and carts. But is that the culture you're trying to develop? Let's talk about, we've often talked about the culture of business networking. So the bigger groups, they have stats. You've got to submit the stats. And that kind of, if you don't do what you need to do, you're embarrassed. So you okay, I'm going to come along for the journey because yeah, I'm going to be shamed. So I'm going to be shamed into selling. Yeah, because exactly. And that's that can cause some really fucking big issues. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's how you start to get your fraud. Yeah. <laughs> You're making sales. The podcast, there's a new one where you've got to do, well, these business networking groups are saying you've got to do an hour of podcast or an hour of learning a week. And no bloke I know from any of those business networking groups. No, they just have it on three like, times speed. Yeah. Bang. Uh, no, they didn't even do that. Oh, they okay. just like did it. Yeah, just tick the box. Total BS. Yeah. 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 Look, the, the thing about the the bell or like, for example, in the office at the moment, we've got a one of the doorbells that you push and plays a song. So we've got Scatman, the Scatman <laughs> that old, yeah. So you push that, Scatman goes off. So everyone in the office knows when you've, you've made a sale. But you're always going to have those people that don't get to push it as much as the other guys. When we're at GA, for example, we uh, 
we had a the same thing, a button, and you push and play the song, and it was red wine. So for me, like still, I hear that song and I'm like, oh, how good is this song? Before that, I was fairly neutral to the song, but afterwards, I was like, oh. So every time I hear it, immediately, that's what it takes me back to. And I was one of those guys that I want to push a button. I used to have a competition with a few guys in my sales group, and, and again, a healthy competition. Not I wouldn't. I'd I never, don't think they would say that though, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was healthy. I'd never do anything compromise anything that they were doing. I always made sure that I was involved in my own work. I'd never steal clients, anything like that. It was just that's just not me. And I think that's really been important. printer sales before. <laughs> no, no stories. No, so wow. I think it's I think it's really important that yeah. that you have that good environment. So for me, whenever one of the guys would push the button, I'd be like, oh, that bastard. All right, now I've got to – who can I close it's now? It's along. Yeah, who can I close now? Which one of my clients have I got that I could close now to get that? And I'd go back and bang, hit them up. Hey, let's go. I, does, it actually doesn't work for me. Actually, it does the exact adverse thing for me. But you're always going to have the guys as well that are down that other part. And in a big sales team, you need those guys as well because those guys that – aren't the ones that push the button every single time or also the ones that the guys at the top, they're servicing the clients that the guys, at the, excuse me, at the top aren't getting. 80-20 rule. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So the guys that are doing those, and they might be the same volume, so the same quality of lead. They might be a 20 grand lead, whatever it is that, that the values are worth. It may be the same value. But the guys at the top that are pumping them out and doing a great job and that sort of stuff, you won't get those customers that the smaller guys are getting. So they're in a big team, they are valuable. And I think that's one thing that is heavily overlooked in a big team as well is that the managers will go, hang on, you're not performing. Well, they are. They're performing a pretty valid and necessary role in your team. You just don't think that they're performing that role, but they are. It's a very important role because you have to have – your bottom dollars. If you take out those guys and put in I mean, no, more, don't get me wrong. You do, but you know who they are. You know who they are. So if you take out those five bottom feeders and put in five absolute jets again, there's only so much there. So you're going to have five guys that are sitting in the middle are now going to drop to the bottom. And it's not necessarily mean that you're going to increase your total volume of sales. No. They just have to refill a different role. So based on what you're saying, my brain's just gone to a bit of business owner strategy here. I've got a team of five, the bottom performer, would I always be looking to rotate him out? Because I know people like that. Okay, here are the overall sales. Yeah, oh, you're okay, but you're my bottom of five. So five, yeah. five is a small team. So we're talking 20 to 50. 50. But do I always rotate out the bottom people? So do you mean or- rotators in getting get new people into yeah. the office? Look, I might not be the best boss in the world and I'm just a bit of a – you are. Say that on the podcast. <laughs> and so am I seeking to, and you might be okay, but because you're on the bottom of my shit list, yeah. I'm after you. Yeah, I'm going to replace you because in, as a boss, I'm hoping that I can get somebody better. What are the worst boss things you've seen and is that appropriate? So I guess you need to look at a couple of things as well. Look at the conversion rate. So if they're not getting the volume, like they might take longer to convert something, their conversion rate might be great but they just takes them longer. But again, they're converting the people that are harder or take longer to convert. So again, they're performing a role, they're performing a, a certain aspect of that role that the other guys aren't getting. So look, if they're going through just as many leads and converting bugger all, sure, they're, they're maybe they're no hoper and, and bugger them off because 
conversion rate's very important. Metrics. Yeah. Yeah. So if the conversion rate is there and they're just not grabbing as many people, all good. Let them plot along and convert those harder people because you need that. But if they're chewing through your leads, they're chewing through your leads. What you'll find is your top performers will burn through leads if they're not yeah. instantaneous because they're used to that in instantaneous dopamine hit. So they won't work them as long. Someone like me, I won't work them as long. Whereas you do need that balance in the team to then go, okay, I will enjoy spending. And they do, they actually really enjoy spending longer with those clients and getting that longer conversion rate. So when you look at a sales cycle, it can be anything from like 30 seconds all the way to two years, two, five years. So you need different horses for different courses. How do you manage that as a business owner? How do you manage that saying, okay, you need that instant dopamine hit, but you can spend a bit longer. You're happy to spend the two years on on the customer. Do I then say, okay, James, can you call out these well, annoying customers, quote I think unquote? Matt, I think Matt's called it. You've got to look at the conversion. you got to look at – so this is where your CRM comes into play and you're looking – and this is why shit in, shit out, because if people are putting shit, in, shit information in, then you're going to get shit information out. But this is why it's so important to put good stuff in, is that you'll then start looking at your different choke points of the sales process and then you're looking at are they taking enough leads? Are they then converting enough of those leads to a conversation and then an appointment? And then obviously enough appointments to a sale. Yep. Very loosely. And each business has a different choke point. And that's where the skill of a really good salesperson that's been in the industry a long time and across different industries is that I think Matt is some, one of those people that can walk into an industry now and go, your natural choke point is here and yeah. here without knowing enough about the product. Yeah. So one of the things as well that, that you'll find that a good manager will do is that they'll identify very quickly, again, th- these issues. So if you've got if you get a bunch of salespeople and talk to them because because they'll let you know as well. So when you're going through and you're finding these issue areas, address them and fix them up. And that's really key for you as a manager or a business owner to do is go right. These are the areas that are really letting us down, or we're getting poor customer feedback here, or when we have quality issues, this is the point where it's at. Put processes in place to rectify it because when they're in place, it doesn't give the salespeople the ability to go, oh, you yeah, know, this is an issue. No, it's not because I fixed it. So that's not an issue now. So you've identified- environment is the go. Yeah, so I've identified this is an issue. I fixed it. And so if people still come back to you and go, oh, no, because, no, actually, that's incorrect. But you'll find that your, your business becomes a lot more streamlined. It's a lot more efficient. Your customer perception's a lot greater. Your satisfaction's higher. Your conversion gets better all that sort of stuff. One thing that, that people don't do enough of is they manage the person, they manage the sales person rather than manage the sales process. Manage your process because that's where most of the cracks will be. Gotcha. So whilst we're on the topic then, for business owners that are looking at this, and we do have decent amount of business owners that listen to this, is what is the very bare basic bones of the sales process? In what regard? So from start to finish, yep. from inquiry to close, yep. what are the choke points that you're looking for? And you actively Final manage marketing. so yep. that somebody that doesn't have your wealth of experience can actively put that into their business. Okay. So conversion ratio really depends on what industry you're in. Double glazing, for example, you might be wanting to close one in every three. So the first thing I would look at is your leads. So your leads are coming in, where do your leads come from? How are you capturing your leads and how are you capturing 
the how you're recording quantity and quality and that sort of stuff. So that's stage one. Where are my leads coming in? I had 10 leads this week. Are they 10 or is it 10 from the website but you actually had six phone calls that you didn't record? So it's really – and four walk-ins, that sort of stuff. So it's really important to make sure you're capturing genuinely what it is that you've got coming through the door. So make a really good CRM because it's crucial. Your favourite CRM? Oh. Anthony's giggling because it's, lo- it's a loaded question. Really <laughs> you know, don't listen, James. I feel like you just set me Go up. Go from the gut. Look, Salesforce is quite good. <laughs> Salesforce is quite good. They- All right, now what would you use? To be honest, I'd make my own. You'd make your own? I'd make my own. Yeah. If I had the money, I'd make my own because I can make it exactly how I want it to do exactly what I want. But bring your wallet out because it's expensive. Oh, yeah. As an IT guy, yeah. we have this saying, cots common off the shelf. Yeah. You want to always go with cots because the alternative is bottomless. Yeah. Bottomless. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, so custom – but yeah. otherwise Salesforce, which was the correct Look, answer. Yeah, oh, my so. God. We don't even have a sponsor for Salesforce. <laughs> They'd want to, actually. We've got to loop in. Might lean on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, make sure you get a really good CRM. The reason that I said Salesforce is because they are, they're they big. I have found that their customer service isn't appalling, which is for a big company, which is good, but they are quite customizable. You can get things out of them that you want to. You can make them work for you if you know how to go about it. So, look, make sure your CRM is really good. Genuinely capture your leads as much as you can. So if you've got website leads coming in, make it that they're automatically lead generating and you don't have to manually put them in. That's just a waste of time. For business owners, who's doing that? Who's doing that bit? Is it yourself as a sales manager is it the sales team is it an external person who's doing that again it depends on your business structure so if you're as a business owner you know how to set that up get in there and do it active campaign all that sort of stuff get in there and get it done if you don't know how to do it and you don't have a sales manager etc that knows how to do it go and have a chat to salesforce and say this is what i want to do who can you put me on to that'll make it work because they'll have people they'll and throw you onto someone as a business owner you're always looking and business owners out there if you don't need to bring on another person and you can automate to provide this function, it's always way cheaper, people. Oh, absolutely. Way cheaper. Absolutely. Get that done. Get it done once off. Pay that fee Yep. because it will save you another FTE. Oh, 100%. I think the issue is that a lot of owners will look at the cost of it and go, oh, but it's going to cost me this much. Just bloody pay it. Less than it FTE. It will save you so much. Yeah. So pay it. Get it automated. Automate what you can. So- Leads come in, automate it, count them, make sure that whoever it is that's taking your phone calls, make it as best as you can, make it one person that takes your phone calls and distributes it from there so they can be held responsible for capturing those leads. Because if their job is, I've got a phone call from Mr. Jones, going to CRM, have a look, he's not there, I will put him in. I'll capture all these details and in your sales process, make sure you've got a form incoming calls to capture all the information and ask all the right questions that you need because if you haven't set up that process the person you've got answering the calls is just firing in the dark here's a top tip for those smaller businesses you can use a virtual reception you can get a 1300 number there are these things called virtual receptions they're around 50 bucks australian a month 
and they can email you the phone call. Sorry, I'm not here at the moment or that guy's not here at the moment. Let me just uh, see him an email. When he's available, we'll get him to give you a call. That goes to an SMS or an email. That can go straight to your CRM. Yep. Captured. Absolutely. If you've got a one, two, three, four-man band, they're fantastic. Yeah. They're great for them because you get to the other end and the person call that doesn't feel like they've wasted their call, they still feel valued. They feel like you're going to get back to them, but make sure you get back to them. Make sure you get follow back up to and follow yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you get the sales. You make sure the sales and that sort of stuff are captured. Really important because without that info, again, you're just firing in the dark. So make sure that when that is when those leads are passed on that salesperson, that again that's captured. So a good CRM will be able to delegate. And again, if you're big enough that you've got that receptionist, for example, is answering those phone calls, they'll be able to then delegate to that salesperson. They can assign that lead to the salesperson. And then that whole process can be viewed within the CRM and you can see as a manager or as a business owner, you can see what your conversion rate is like. Because if you're having people coming in, you're not capturing your leads properly. So salespeople are either burning through or converting leads that you don't know about until you might find out about a lead once they've converted it. But if they hadn't converted it, would or you it's know about all, it? it's hidden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's really important because – Again, you might have one person that captures all the walk-ins, but if they're burning through all your walk-ins, you don't know that their conversion rate's shocking. Yeah. So really important. So good CRM, capture leads. The next step, I suppose, is your salespeople. So what are your salespeople doing? You don't have to sit next to them and listen to them when they're talking to a customer. Please don't do that. It's shocking because they, <laughs> they're going to say, you you no, they're gonna say things that, that yeah, they yeah. wouldn't typically say and all that sort of stuff. So what I like to do is I'll just open my office door and I'll pretend that I'm doing something in the office, on my computer rather, and I'll just be ear out and just listening to what they're saying. Listen to the type of things that they say and you can hear relatively the objectives that they get by the responses that they give. Take some notes, write it down. Don't go and approach them straight away and say, oh, I just listened to that phone call. It was fucking terrible. Approach them later and say, hey, look, I've listened. Another E-rating. Oh, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> it's not a family no, show. No, no, there, no. there is an explicitive okay. kick that I kick every kick single time. Sorry, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I've had a beer. A piss fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so approach so them later. Don't go knock on. them up. Yeah, no, yeah. don't hit them up yeah. straight away because then they go, oh, they're going to be listening to every conversation I've had. Yep. So don't target a specific conversation. Make it fairly general. Go and say, look. Water yeah, look, I've, I've listened to a few combo. conversations. These sorts of things have been said. A better way to handle these sorts of objections is this. There's no point going to your sales team with, oh, I heard this and this was terrible. Don't say this. Well, okay. Yep. Valid point. Don't say something. What are you going to give them to, to say instead? Go to them with a solution. Don't just go to them with the problem. And that's a, that's the same to be fair. Assuming you know about your own sales process and a little bit about sales. So what just want a little disclaimer, what Matt's saying here is that what Matt's are talking to them about is what questions they're asking because that's the sales team that he's trying to provide. So it's different. So you've got to know as a business owner what it is that you want to ask the questions about to lead to a sales result. So preface, disclaimer. Yeah. So it, it'll work with it'll work with teams that just want to try and smash sales out as well. Listening to the way your salespeople are talking to people or handling the objections that they're getting, that sort of stuff. Make sure you go to them with the solutions or, hey, don't say it quite this way, say it this way, whatever it is. The training's really important and I try and spend time with the team every single week. It might be half an hour, it might be two hours, depending on what we want to cover. 
but it's really important to spend that time every single week because I feel like it's a bit like a dog when you teach a dog a new trick. I don't know. It's probably rough. <laughs> no, it's probably rough. Really. <laughs> Is it rough? No, it's probably rough. Singling your you team to be, the, to, the, to be pets, but so you teach a dog a new trick. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't keep going with that trick, the dog's going to forget about it pretty quick. So teach your team that that new little trick. Tool. Tool. There you go, James. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so give them that tool, but then come back to it. Listen out for them using it and then refine them using it if you need to. Some people might pick it up straight away, but others might not. So refine them using it, but make sure that they're using it. There's no point having a training conversation and saying, hey, this is all the stuff we're going to do. You don't follow it up. So I'm terrible. I'm just so time poor. And this is, I'm getting that this is my problem because I'm so time poor. I've set out a process. I'll try and document it. Here you go. Off you go. Yeah. But clearly I need to follow hug back and man. kiss follow and back. follow up well, and love yeah. and set some time aside to invest in my stuff. Absolutely. Because the thing is, if you don't, you'll just, you'll just be more and more time poor. So if you can get your team. If you can delegate to your team and get them firing without you needing to constantly overwatch them, your time you'll find will become a lot more available. Yeah. I think that's my problem and I'm trying to grow. Yeah. Because the thing is people are sitting there and they know what their – they know what their role is, but then they get this, hey, make sure you're doing this. Oh, yep, okay, no worries. I haven't really been shown how to do it, but this piece of paper says that's what I'm supposed to do. And then two weeks later they get a – piece of paper that's pretty similar but a little bit different and they go, oh, okay, I'm doing that now. Yep, all right, no worries. This is what I'll do. But if they're not being followed up and shown how to do it and, hey, heard that conversation, that was brilliant, great job. Oh, thank you. Is that the key? Is that every – I know we tell stuff, hey, this wasn't done quite right. Should we also at the end of every week or X amount of time – Throw in a positive one. Hey, have thanks. To. Uh, have to. I'm terrible at doing that too. The thing is, <laughs> oh, mate, look, well, you, you better remember yeah, that because yeah, yeah. my spirit animal is a Labrador and but I need positive. Yeah. Salespeople, are, they're all about praise. I'll do it tonight. All about praise. Yeah, pats on the head, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it you motivates don't... you to keep going. Yeah. So salespeople get into it because they want the thrill of the sale and they go, yeah, I made the sale. I'm oh, beat the chest. How good am I? But there's... Nothing better than someone else beating your chest. If someone else comes along and goes, hey, my goodness, that was fantastic. And you go, yeah, yeah, it was. Because it's and, hard. And you feel 60,000 feet tall. You might feel six feet tall if you've got the sail, but you feel even taller when that person goes past and goes, hey, great job. Because it gives you enough to go through all the rejection again yeah. to then get to the next one. But don't overdo it. Here's bonuses for everyone. Oh, I might come work from here. <laughs> I've got questions here. We've only got down uh, like five know, or six of these. I want but. the colourful stuff, so I'm going to sidetrack it again just to a bit of colourful. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Bosses who <laughs> are weird and colourful. Well, colourful, I'm going to use inverted commas. But mm. also, because then it follows into my next question, was what do you see, Matt, that business owners get right and wrong? So yes, a little bit of flavour profile for us. <laughs> so the... One of the big things I think is, again, is people management. They're not running their teams well. If you put someone into a position of, I don't want to say power, but much for a word. So if you put someone in position of a sales manager or a supervisor or something like that, you're giving them, you're telling them that you're giving them the ability to run the team or be in charge of X, Y, or Z. Allow them to do it. 
Because if you're saying you're the sales manager, but then every two seconds you're standing over them going, what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? Don't do this, do that. They're not the sales manager. You're the sales manager. You're just giving them the title. They're not going to be able to prosper. They're not going to get their team to prosper. They're not going to get anywhere without you letting them do it. I think we've all worked in a place where someone's been a micromanager. And if you do that, you just, you don't want to be there. Very quickly do you go, I don't want to work for you. I don't want to be here. You're you're patronising. Toxic. Yeah, you just let me do my job. I know my job better than my job. So just let me do it. People just don't. Some people just don't get it. So, yeah, look, you get micromanagers and they're difficult to deal with, but when you've been around for a while, you can start to navigate them. You can lead them down a path of, okay, micromanage this while I'm going and doing my job, which is probably a bit of where I am at the moment. I'm very much pushing in a certain direction and letting micromanagement happen in this corner while I'm prospering over here. So, yeah, it's a a technique that will take some time to learn, but. So when I was younger and I was in that top group, so I was the youngest bloke in the project managers, what I used to always do is, here's my top tip, take my boss out for drinks on a Friday. I would (laughs) take him out. I would make sure I fed him a few beers. And do you know what? I think that gets you a little bit ahead. You hear a few things. and So there's my top tip, mate. Yeah. So you just get your boss pissed is what I'm yeah. hearing. Yeah. <laughs> a bit, bit more of that knowledge is power. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Take, take that the, away with you, people. Take them to the strippers. Take a photo. Send, Send it to the photos. I don't think you need the photos. <laughs> I don't think you need the photos. <laughs> oh, for another podcast, I've got a story. I mean, Similar. We could spend literally hours here with Matt, and Matt's been super, super generous with, I think, the info and the quality of the information that he's providing here. But what I would like to really touch on is how do you work with digital marketers in particular, because yes. I, yeah, I, know, I, I want you to get involved. <laughs> you just got very excited. <laughs> did, did, did you feel that erection on the yes. chair? <laughs> Table moved on. Something's happening. He did say he was Italian. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. My, and you heard it in raw. Whether I don't, I'm not sure if you actually know this stat, my money is that I've sacked personally 35 different d- digital marketers, and then I came across someone. Never um, no, it's, I, I say this a lot because it's true. Because when you find a good digital marketer. As a sales manager, it's like gold because you can set yourself up for success and you can control the quality of the leads and the quantity of the leads that come through so much so now that I actually negotiate that into my roles. Yeah. What's your relationship? Yeah, no, look, I agree. They're really important. Going through an issue now where I'm trying to have the business owner understand that kind of where I am, I'm a business owner myself, but I don't work there 100% of the time. So where I'm at, I'm trying to have the business owner understand that how important digital marketing is. We've gone away from someone recently that we perhaps shouldn't have. And the person that we're with currently hasn't really fulfilled what it is that that we wanted them to fulfill. The owner had expectations. I've had pretty good experience, I suppose, with, I'm no SEO mastermind, don't get me wrong, but I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit clued on with it. I think I know a little bit. And some of the things that, that this guy wants to do is, is just wrong. Yeah, changing URLs that have been around for seven years and that sort of stuff. It's just it's stuff that's going to be really detrimental. But again, he doesn't know any different. He doesn't know that side of things. So if this guy who's supposed to be an expert is telling him, hey, this is what you got to do. This will get us to number one. And why wouldn't he believe it? So unfortunately... I think that it's a type of industry that you may get burnt a couple of times and then eventually you'll learn. 
but you need to educate yourself around and keep re-educating yourself because it's never the same. Like it's not going to be the same thing as it was two years ago. It's Google going to change the algorithm. Oh, everything goes exactly right. Yeah. Everything goes. So it's yeah, it's important to educate yourself. But if you find someone good and they're bringing you up through the rankings, hold on. So we talked in episode one about in detail about the minimum expectations from a digital marketer. Are they doing monthly reports? Mm. Are they doing, if things aren't going well, you need to shrink that reporting period to fortnightly, weekly. What's going on there? And that's what I'd be suggesting, study manager, let's deal with this week by week so we can try and pivot as fast as we can. Yeah, so we're looking at we're looking at information that's coming in each week. I'm breaking it down to leads we're getting each day. So something that's really evident is the quality of leads. One thing that I think a lot of people fall into the trap of is that the digital market may throw, hey, this is the quantity of leads that you're getting, but the quantity might be atrocious. Sorry, let me rephrase that. This is the quantity of leads that you're getting, but the quality of those quantities may be really poor. You might be getting 10 leads a week, but they might be fantastic leads that you're converting eight out of 10 of them. Whereas you might be getting 20 leads each week with this high quantity, but you might only be converting four of them. But the four that you're converting aren't worth two of the other ones. It is a bit of a balance, but it's really important that you don't just look at the figures that people are throwing at you because, look, you can inflate figures, you can pull leads from different places and all that sort of stuff. They can look better than what they are. So I've given your sales guys 20 leads this week. Don't fire me. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah, but you might be. And it's Joe Blow from. Yeah. You might be selling double glazing, but the country. 10 of the 20 leads that have come in are for fly screens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't do anything for me, does it? Yeah. It's really important that uh, your, your digital mark is targeting the right things. They're giving you the quality that you're after and look, they're hard to find. They really are. How often are you giving feedback back on the, on I guess the day to day sales action, if you like? So, I think it's really important to always have a, a weekly sales meeting with the powers that be. Giving back, here's the, here's what it is at grand level. Here's the quality. Here's the number. All that sort of stuff. Because I think if something changes, you need to be able to react fairly quickly. But as a sales manager or business owner, you should be able to notify. Oh, sorry, you should be able to notice. Right, they are gassy beers. Yeah, they are. are. You should be able to notice pretty quickly when there's certain changes in in your business. So if the leads have changed, the quality of leads have changed, all that sort of stuff, you should be able to go, hey, something's not right here and jump on it pretty quick. And look, you'll have your ebbs and flows, absolutely no, no doubt about that, but there's noticeable changes. So as a sales guy, this is great because what you're doing, in my mind, is you're managing up. which is a great thing to do because you might be getting the blame or sales are down, but that might be out of your control. Exactly right. So the sales guys out there, weekly, what I'm hearing is weekly meetings, detailing what's going on and say- up though, right? That's not to your team. That's going upwards. Yeah, going up to management to say, hey, this is what you're you're giving us. What do you expect us to do with it? Yeah, Yeah. it's not- Yeah, it's very, very important to do that as a sales manager because- Nine times out of 10, the business owner doesn't have a clue and they may have watched Wolf of Wall Street that one time and they think that's the way it goes. (laughs) It don't. Um, They interview each person that comes in and give them a pen. Tell me this. (laughs) Thanks. I actually walk out of interviews now if I get that question. Yeah. I find it so insulting. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Not a fan, not a fan of it. 
no, no. Stand with his no, pen. No, no, yeah, come on. I'll, I'll put the pen original. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm very conscious of time. We've gone way over, Maddie. We could be here for literally for hours, and I'm not going to keep you in here. I just love long. listening to you talk, James. You can subscribe and listen. <laughs> so I really just want to round this up. What are some quick hop trends that you're noticing in the sales right now? What should be people jumping on? And then I want you to tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. What works, sorry, in there as well, please. What works? Yeah. What works in sales? Yeah. See, I'm just – I'm more of a traditionalist. I, I'm all about that knowledge is power, get around it, talk to your people, know all about it, all that sort of stuff. I'm not about that. What happened on the latest movie and get around it and sell it and all that sort of stuff, it's just not me. I'm very traditional in my sales and I find it works. So, so I don't have a hot trend for no, you. No, trends. no, no sexy trend. hot trend for me. I don't. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, tradi- <laughs> There's market? nothing sexier than a bit what's, of tradition, mate. What's your preferred digital marketing stream to bring you leads? Uh, my phone. It depends on your marketing. Yeah. For the market that we're in at the moment, it's really important that – you get really good SEO, that you're really visible on certain keywords in Google, all that sort of stuff. But then for the business that I own, it's not about Google at all. I won't rely on Google. I'll rely on word of mouth. I'll rely on Facebook. I'll rely on Instagram. Facebook ads Social or media groups? Marketing. I know you do this very differently, so I want to yes. clarify that point. I'm all about the groups. Get no, in the, the groups. This is, and this is part of social media marketing. So if you have a good social media marketer, We, for example, strategy of ours and, hey, listen in, digital marketing companies, is you do creatives. You'll get in Adobe. you create some sort of call to action with something to draw in the customer. But then you'll also go, you join local groups because if you're a bricks and mortar store, you're really local. Yeah. And then you want to say, okay, all these local groups, all these full driving affiliate groups, whatever market you're in, I'm going to post to them. And that's going to draw people from that market that I wouldn't necessarily had to me. Yeah. I mean, there's some of those influencers out there, as we all know, YouTube, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. Mapping um, the Island, we had their we last did. episode. Yeah, we're big on social media tips and tricks. Yeah. So look, Facebook's massive. It's, it's, there's, it, pretty much everyone's on it. So as you said, if you can get in that local group, people start to – have that localised trust, not just a big face and that sort of thing. People go, no, no, I know them. They're just up the road. Or they're, they they post all the time on my local page that only has 1,500 members and all that sort of stuff. So that's really important and that's something that I focus on a lot and we get a lot from that. We would probably get majority of our customers from a localised So Facebook. just let me clarify, not Google Ads, not Facebook Ads, Market. any other kind Depend of- Depend on the market, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course, but this is another strategy that we can chuck out there. You're not really, it's no cost to you, the business, effectively, other than time, yeah. and you're using Facebook groups. Facebook groups. Right. Make sure you get them in the right groups. But in saying that as well, if I've got an event or something coming up, I've got an event this weekend up at our shop in- No, in give Lansdale. it a plug, mate. That's what you're here for. Yeah, yeah. So we've got our open day So we'll be coming out Friday. So. so what's going on? Christopher What's Wade. going on with you? So we've got a guy called Dash Off-Road, David Dash. He is a YouTuber, big live community. He is. Oh, really? Yeah, big influencer. And he's he's coming over, spending a bit of time with us, opening up the store. So he's I've gone into partnership with him. Let's start the start. What's your new business and what's its name? Where are you? 404 DNA. We're in Perth, obviously, over in Landstar in Cristobal Way. So specialising in full driving, really. Lifts, roof racks, bull bars, rear bars, sidesteps. Servicing? Yep. Yeah, we'll service. Absolutely. GCM? GVM? Yes. Yep. GCM, GVM. We've got some fantastic news coming up that I heard about today. 
Made me very excited, but I can't tell you yet. I'll have to come back on and oh, give you that one. Don't de- tease me like that. I know the <laughs> it's like I'm in sales. Yeah. No, I'll have to come back on and share that one. Any full drive? We need to come to yep. 4x4DNA in Lansdale. That's right. So we specialize, specialize in Y62s, Navaras, Land Cruisers. You can have an online store. So you can buy pretty much anything you like from Dash Off Road, but you're probably better off coming in. We're obviously the affiliation, but you're probably better off picking it up straight from us. Lovely. Same price, but you can get it straight away. Love it. And the event that you're running this Saturday? Yeah. As I said, open day. So Dash Off Road's coming across. The other guy, Steve Allen, who who's 4x4 DNA in Adelaide, they're coming across. Big turnout, big show and shine. So get down there, check it out. We'll have a Barbie on, a couple of prizes and that sort of stuff to give away. And one being a 12K Sabre off-road kit. I'm there. Yeah, I'll make sure you don't win it. But <laughs> no, look, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great birthday, day. 12, 12 till <laughs> 2, so... Get amongst this it. weekend. This weekend, this he literally oh, knew he was christening his business on my birthday. And yeah, yeah I thought, what, what an omen! What, yeah. Honor. Yeah. what an honor! Yeah, I'm not going to go your birthday, so I'm not going to do my business. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make him come to me on his birthday. That's the way to do it. But no, honestly, mate, thank you so much. And literally, I've literally only covered like that of all. Yeah, the we didn't get through much. We did really get but, I just so, like to talk. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. But today um, in review, it's been even more of a deep dive into sales. And correct. if I was a boss. What I want to see, what I want to do. Exactly right. And what we'll do next time is we'll have Matt on again because he is incredibly insightful and informative in his knowledge. And he'll just talk to us about some challenges that he's been having as a business owner. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll I'll debunk it for him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll put on some headphones or something. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. This is episode six, and I will let Mike take it away from here. For listening to the Inbound Outbound podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share with a friend and leave a rating and a review. We'll see you next time on the Inbound Outbound podcast. Hey.